Well, if you turn in the scriptures, brethren, to Ecclesiastes and chapter 11. Ecclesiastes, not a large book, but uh, we go to Psalms and Proverbs, and then you will find Ecclesiastes. And we're in chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and beginning at uh, the first verse. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that, he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether both, they both shall be alike good. Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Amen. Well, Ecclesiastes, uh, Proverbs, Job contain many mm, difficult sayings, difficult to translate. We find that there are uh, Hebrew, what we call Hebrew idioms, you know, uh, what do you call them, figures of speech, more in these books than anywhere else, and it's, it's difficult to um, to be able to know for certain what what these things were meant to the original hearers. Uh, that opening uh, verse there, uh, we'll we'll consider that in a moment, and uh, that's an example. I want to mention to you tonight that, well, to acknowledge that there are certain things in life and uncertain. There are certainties and uncertainties. And we are perhaps more comfortable with things that are certain. With uncertainty, we have things like the decisions we need to make. We were chatting earlier about how we make decisions. I'm not one for listening for voices from God, okay? If you hear voices from God, I'm very pleased for you. But he, for some reason, he doesn't communicate like that to me. And so I only have his word to go by. And uh, so I consume that and acknowledge God in all my steps and then trust that the decision I do make will be the best one. That's how I, that's how I function. 
But there's still uncertainty. There's uncertainty in our decisions. Do we know for sure that's the right house for us? Do I know for sure that I will like this job? We're not always sure. Then we come to, uh, or you come to church, and you have uncertainties too. You you will um, not know uh, what the future is for this church, this congregation. Will it? It's smaller. Will it die? Will it expand? Will it be? Um, Bigger and better than it's ever been. Uncertain. We, we rest in God's sovereignty, but still, there is uncertainty. And even, friends, your own future. What do we know about our own future? We don't even know how long we've got left. That's how little we know. An hour, uh, three decades, we don't know. Uncertainty. And although uncertainty seems to be less preferable than certainty... We find instead that faith is needed more in uncertainty. And therefore, we exercise faith more in uncertainty. We are in a good place if we are uncertain and yet have faith. And so, I want to just spend the time that we have trying to encourage you. In this faith. And it's a faith that is given a conversion. But also a faith that we can uh, ask God for more of. If that sounds if that sounds right. It says in the scriptures that we, we ask increase our faith. So it can be increased. So I want to encourage you to have faith. And I, I, I got the word, the idea of faith if you like, from, from this, in this encouragement where, you know, there's, there's uncertainty, but it says, go out and do it anyway. That's, that's what I saw in these, in these few verses. So I want to describe faith in three different aspects. And the first one is that we want a faith that will make us bold. We want faith to give us boldness. That's the first thing. Now, you are all, uh, you're all familiar with the idea of um, comfort zones. Comfort zones. So we will have, a, we will have a, maybe a circle of people we associate with. That's one type of comfort zone. We will have um, maybe involvement in the church that we are comfortable with. And, and we'd like it to stay that way because it's nice. But boldness means breaking out of those things. Now, we've all had to do that in some places. In my own experience, well, I, when I started doing youth camps, I found that I had to do all kinds of stuff I was not comfortable with. I don't want to climb walls. I don't want to build rafts and sail onto a lake. I, I don't really want to do all these things, but, but I, I, I did them for the sake of the whole, uh, for the sake of the kids and the week. And in prison ministry, I was explaining before how I went into uh, my first uh, prison and it was, it was uncomfortable. And, and I went into the next one and then there was a charismatic Anglican chaplain. He was slightly, I thought he was slightly unhinged. 
he was just he was just enthusiastic. But the whole meeting was different. I thought, will I cope? Will I cope with this? So for the purpose of having a chance to share the gospel with these with these men, uh, I had to go outside that comfort zone. Where's those glasses? Well, look, this um, this opening verse, I said I would comment on it. Cast thy bread upon the waters. I've never understood what that meant. I pictured a guy with a loaf going down to the river and start throwing it in. I thought, that doesn't make sense. There's, there's, maybe there must be more to this. And so the commentators ha- have a little bit of an argument and say, no, it means this, no, it means that. So I'll, t- I'll tell you two. So they say, well, it's not bread. It, it, it's literal, cast thy bread upon the waters, except it's not bread itself, it's seeds. And so th- th- it, there may be an ancient practice where seeds were scattered on the, 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 the uh, shallow water when the plains uh, flooded. And uh, when the water receded, uh, it would provide very fertile ground for, for the crops to grow, from which you then yield uh, the grain to make the bread. So there's that one. Um, some have been a bit more, bit more um, uh, adventurous in their understanding, and they've they've sort of suggested, well, this is casting your bread upon the waters is really sending out your 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 bread, your your supplies, your your goods upon the waters. That is the 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 the, uh, the oceans, and that they suggest. It's to do with maritime trade instead. But not knowing which one it is, whether it's something to do with uh, maritime trade or it's to do with throwing seed on or it's to do with, you know, being generous. Cast thy bread here and there. Give a portion to seven or to eight. Maybe it's about philanthropy, being generous. But in any case... It does encourage us to be bold. It encourages boldness. And seeing as in this passage further down, it starts to speak about more spiritual things, then we, we, I think it's not too much of a stretch to say that we should extend that idea of boldness to our Christian service. And so I would encourage you to pray for faith, to be bold in your Christian work. Something else unusual, clouds and wind. Let's have a look at that. Now, it says, if the clouds be full of rain, well, they empty themselves upon the earth. If the tree falls, well, it will fall and it will stay there. And so... I, I, I see in this, it's trying to put us off from worrying, from being anxious about these things. Now, the clouds one is more of an immediate uh, anxiety for some people. So the, uh, the farmer, the farmer might say, oh, look, look at those clouds. Any time now it could, it could dump all that rain on the farm and wash the seeds away. And so he, he holds back and he holds back from doing his job. And then there are more long-term concerns 
the potential concerns for something that might happen. I mean, how would you know when the wind is going to blow a, tr a certain tree over? I mean, you, you could be waiting 10 or 20 or 30 years and it still might not happen. Now, on, on the farms I, I, I spend time on, um, yes, rain is an issue and yes, the wind might blow an oak tree onto the land and that will mess things up because he can't, get, he can't get round the whole field then and there's a portion of the field out of bounds, he's, he's lost money and so on. But it seems to be about uh, an immediate sort of worry or threat versus maybe a, a long-term one that's far less likely. And really, the, I think the message here is don't be too cautious about it just because we don't know. And that reminded me of the activity of the Holy Spirit because it says, uh, it says here in John 3, it says here in John 3 in chapter 8. You'll recognize John 3, yeah, because um, uh, some of you will recognize it because of the encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. And uh, Jesus is saying, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. And then he describes the behavior of the Holy Spirit. He says, he compares it to wind. It, Jesus says, the wind bloweth where it listeth, where it wants. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So even just with the business of the Holy Spirit harvesting souls, the Holy Spirit will go where he wants. We don't know where he's going to come from, where he's going. We don't know who he's going to target next. But we need boldness. So in, for example, in our outreach, whether that's on the street, whether it's in conversations, whether it's on the internet, however it's done, we should be involved. And we've no need to worry about where the Holy Spirit is going to um, work next. We just do our job. So we need faith to be bold, first of all. We need the kind of faith, too, that makes us uh, zealous. Zealous. We need to be zealous because, well, we don't last forever. We wear out. We, it says here in, uh, where's me, uh, <clears throat> Ecclesiastes again. And it says here in verse uh, 7 and 8, um, well, particularly verse 8, If a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness. This, these days of darkness are those troubled days that people often find themselves in when they get older. Now, I'm not saying the Christian life gets, uh, becomes miserable after a certain age. Um, they can still be joined there, but what's undeniable is there are all sorts of problems. The scriptures say that, for example, okay, you know, you might live to 70, you might live to your 80, but you better be, uh, you better be ready for the fact you're going you're gonna to run into all kinds of problems the older you get. And so there are days that are described as 
Days of darkness. There are frequently days people cannot do hardly anything. Uh, you know, so that's that's something we need to be aware of, but also make sure that we understand that we've been given vigor before that happens, and we are to use it. Speaking of vigour, I watched the Tour de France uh, this year and I was amazed at how athletic these uh, cyclists were. So, there's me. I cycle, I cycle, if I cycle 15 or 20 miles, I'll be, be ready for a sleep after that. These guys are cycling for 60, maybe 100 miles in, a, in, in one day. They go to sleep and they get up and, and they do the same again, and, and they, they cycle again, and they'll do that for maybe three weeks. You think that the the rate at which these guys are recuperating just in a few hours, it will take me like days to recover. They recover in just a few hours. It's that vigor, but it doesn't last. I had a, I was with a friend on a Friday night, Ian. He's twenty five. And he's telling me how he, uh, he, how he looks forward to getting out in the garden and saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to do this, I'm going to spend all day doing the other. Except he's only 25 in his head. His body is 75 years old. And he, he says that after half an hour of activity, he has to come in and sit down. And he's shattered, you see. So that, that's... Nothing we, can, nothing we can do about that. But certainly, we have more opportunity when we have that vigour, but we're still told in the scriptures that we should, we should, we should retain that zealous, zealousness, that zeal. We should retain that. We should try to maintain that throughout our lives in whatever way we can. I thought the Bible used a quite interesting uh, example of ants. Now, uh, I had an ant invasion, I had two ant invasions in the summer. And, well, I would have rescued them all and released them into the wild, but there were thousands of them. I'm sorry, I had to kill them. I'm sorry, I had to, I had to wipe them out. Uh, genocide. And so I, I destroyed them. And, and yet, even though, I, even though I kill stuff, I can still, I can still acknowledge the, the wonder of it all. And the thing about ants is they create these colonies underground these little cities and they they just run round and run round and work hard i don't know whether they sleep but they work hard and they build things and they cooperate and it deserves respect it says uh, yeah i said it was used in the scriptures and so we find that in proverbs in proverbs uh, chapter six and the person is a bit, you know, lazy, is, is, is addressed here and challenged by these verses, which says, the lazy person told, go to the ant, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? So you see, God's trying to encourage 
us not to be idle. So, spiritually applied, well, we, we can try to apply that in our, in, our, in our service, in our Christian service, in our Christian lives in general. We can avoid um, idleness. Let me read the, the. Let me read from uh, Hebrews in chapter six. Hebrews six, and verses eleven and twelve. This is what we're encouraged to do, in having this faith to be zealous. Hebrews six, verses eleven and twelve. It says, "And we desire that every one of you." Do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So it would seem that you'd need a very good excuse to be idle. Now, I don't know what it's like to be. 60, 70, 80 or 90 and if I get there I'll have a better idea and I will probably be well have less go in me than I have today probably now at the same time we don't get excused from Christian service and this expectation of zeal because of our age we might have to make adjustments but certainly we're not exempt now it says, look what it says in, in the verses in, in 11 and 12. It says, we desire every one of you. So this is, this is addressed to all. So we might say that it's addressed to every one of us, of you and me tonight. This is addressed to every one of you. This is the message. And the point of it is there in verse 12, it says that you be not slothful, that you be not idle. That you be not lazy. And one of the reasons, now one of the many reasons we would we would be zealous for God is to do with assurance, and it says in verse eleven, to the full assurance of hope unto the end. So you might think assurance comes merely through sitting in an armchair. And just meditating on Christ. Well, that sounds very noble. But we're told that we should um, show uh, fruits to ourselves through our zeal, through our service, through our uh, good works. And whether you like it or not, the scriptures say that these works can produce assurance. And so we need to be doing something. I don't want to make out the Christian life's all about evangelism or all about this or all about that. There's, it's obviously multifaceted, but uh, the the, uh, the scriptures we've just read from Ecclesiastes do mention sowing of seed. Uh, verse six: In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper. And so. Sowing seed, and we, we, we could apply that. We could apply sowing seed to our situation, not as farmers, but as witnesses, for example. We might think the parable of the uh, sower, and we might recall 
that of all the seed that was distributed, uh, most of it was, in one sense, unsuccessful, if you want to, uh, you want to put it like that. Unsuccessful in that it didn't grow. But um, we know, uh, our theology teaches us, that when the seed is scattered, God takes an interest in some of that seed and he makes sure that soil where it falls is deep and fertile and he ordains that it falls there and he ordains its growth and its perseverance. And so we sow seed abundantly, uh, not knowing not knowing who these people are, but knowing that this is how God reigns his people in. And we could have a long wait. We don't know, we don't know what God's going to do. We, there could be a long wait as we scatter that seed. Well, we need faith then to be zealous in every aspect of our service. Zealous. We also need faith to give us a sense of urgency. Now, you might think that a faith which brings urgency, you might, you might be tempted to think, well, that, that's the same point as the previous one. Uh, he's already said zealous, so urgency sounds pretty much the same. He's stretching this one out a bit. Well, no, um, because I'd contend that you could be bold. You can have faith which gives you that boldness, that determination to step outside your comfort zone. That courage to do things that you don't want to do. You could have that boldness. You could also have zeal. You could say, right, I'm, I'm feeling really uh, on fire here. And I'm going to, while I'm standing on my two feet, I am going to do whatever I can. But you could delay. You could have that attitude and yet delay. You could say, well, yes, but later. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be bold and I'll be zealous in it, but, but later, so we can delay. And the, 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 the trouble with the farmer here in the scriptures is to do with delay. And so he says, um, you know, the, it starts off the guy, the, the farmer, he's, he's standing there going, I don't know, it looks like it may rain. Or, it's a bit windy, it might blow a tree over. And it's almost like this guy is looking for reasons to not get on with the job and it exhorts him do it just get on with it no more delays well for us we might be tempted in whatever we have to do to say it's not the right time i don't mean you know delaying, say, putting shelves up or tidying the shed. My wife would like me to do those type of things, but I don't mean that. When I talk about delays, I mean, of course, in our Christian uh, service. We might say, I'm happy to, to do this and that, but not, not just yet. It's just not the right time. Not just yet. Always waiting for the right time. Let me read this from Ephesians in chapter 5. Ephesians in chapter 5 and verse 15 and 16. Ephesians 5 verse 15 and 16. It says, 
See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. Make use of the time. Friends, I confess to having to having get wasted more of the days that God has given me than any one of you, I'm sure. I, I have wasted this life. Uh, even the days as a Christian. I, I struggle. I struggle to know what good I have done in the kingdom of God. You know, um, a few sermons and a bit of this and a bit of that. Have, have, I, have, I, have I done anything with the time God's given me? Or have I thrown it away? I got uh, a book asked me a question the other day. A book challenged me with the question. List some of the th- sacrifices you've made in your Christian service. Sacrifices I've made. Uh, I, 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 I couldn't think of one. I couldn't think of one. Now, I, I don't mean, oh, well, there was that time I went to church and I didn't have time to eat. That's not a sacrifice. And I struggled and I thought, well, Lord, what have I been doing with this life you've given me? So this is for me, redeeming the time. Redeem the time, Paul, because the days are evil. Make use of the time now. I'm just thankful that I have a saviour and some of you have the same saviour, Jesus Christ. And he had that faith. He had this uh, faith which was absolute, this faith which was perfect. And therefore he had the faith which gave him the boldness. He certainly stepped out of his comfort zone, friends. His comfort zone was the joys of heaven itself. And he stepped out and came here with us lot into this sin-filled world. So he had that boldness and that perfect faith. He had also given uh, zeal. Zeal, he says, the, he said one day, he says, I'm just consumed by the zeal for my father's house. I'm, I'm overtaken with it. And he had, and of course, he had, that faith also gave him a real sense of urgency as well. He just, he had, he had this mission and he went on it. And there was nothing going to stop him. And so as he went to Calvary, he had that determination, that urgency about him. Well, verse 8 in our reading says that a man might live many years and rejoice in them all. He might. He might. Um, it would be a mistake for you to assume that you have time to do anything. It would be a mistake. If you think I have plenty of time, uh, not necessarily, not necessarily. <laughs> and so the opportunities that God has placed before you today, I mean, we're all physically different. Physically, we have some of us have more energy than others and so on. I, I get all that. But we all made it here today. We're, we're, we're not, uh, I don't think anyone here is, is blind. We can, we can. We can get up and get from A to B somehow. We can speak. We can listen. We can pray. We can sing. We can study the scriptures. There might be a lot you can't do, but there's an awful lot you can do. But 
while God's given us these opportunities, we need to make sure that we make use of them while we can. Don't make, friends, don't make the mistakes I've made and just throw it away. Serve God. And I've said there's uncertainty in all this, uncertainty in our lives, in our, in our Christian service, certainly. But remember what I said, that faith thrives in uncertainty. And so that's where it will be most exercised. And so I exhort you to pray to God and, and say, Lord, build me up in that most holy faith. Build me up. Um, you have, uh, as I mentioned, you have a situation looking for a pastor. There's uncertainty there. There's, uh, will you get a pastor, I wonder? Um, will there be unity? Will there be unity about who you choose? If there is change and, you, and you've got a pastor and, and the church was on fire again and thinking we, this is like a new start with a new pastor, um, it may be that some of you will be required to take on roles that you, that you thought maybe you wouldn't have to do, you can't do, you don't want to do. So there's just all this uncertainty and it seems that the scriptures tonight are saying we should embrace the unknown with the faith that God has given us. Uh, I found this quote by a man on the internet, and I've never heard of him. So don't shout at me if he's, if he's a loon. But he says something clever here, something sensible. He says, God often calls us to exercise faith, not in circumstantial serenity, but in circumstantial uncertainty and threat faith grasps the sure and certain word of god and he and faith lives in the light of that certainty god bless you all amen, amen.